You're listening to the Scaling Culture Podcast, where we sit down with thought leaders who share their experiences building incredible workplace cultures. Our guest today is John Love. He's the founder and CEO of Kingset Capital, a Canadian private equity real estate investment business that owns interest in a $19.1 billion portfolio of assets. Founded in 2002, Kingset has raised $12.5 billion of equity for its growth, income, urban, mortgage, and affordable housing strategies. John serves on the board of directors of the Chief Executives Organization, is a member of the Business Council of Canada and YPO, and of the Order of Canada. We were honored to host John on the podcast. In this episode of Scaling Culture, Ron and John discuss core values being a foundational component of any culture, the power of company stories and how critical they are for sustainability, and nothing is perfect mentality and vulnerability as key drivers of constant growth. Welcome to another episode of the Scaling Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Ron Lovett, and today I'm very happy to have John Love with us. John, welcome. Thank you, Ron. Pleased to be here. Yeah, look... I, I'm I'm uh, I was excited to have you on, uh, not just because I was excited to spend some more time with you, because I I um, have got to spend some time with you, and I've I've enjoyed every minute of it, uh, and thank you for for that, John. Uh, but also just to talk about Kingset's culture, because I've been impressed. I've met um, individuals that work at Kingset, and uh, have always been impressed. Where in my mind, Kingset's in an old industry, you know, raising capital and owning real estate and and having you know different types of funds and it's it's got this non-stale culture which i i just have have felt that and seen that when i meet individuals at kingset and i thought we got to get john on here to talk about how that happens but before we do john let's go back give us a snapshot of john love so um the 60 second bio would be you know i grew up in edmonton which is why i'm still mourning my oilers getting swept um it, I started uh, my career, uh, I got a business degree, started my career as a retail stockbroker, which was a great way to start and learn how to communicate with people, did that for five years. I then joined uh, Oxford Properties, which my father had founded, um, as a leasing coordinator in Toronto, and then development, Western roles, and ultimately into leadership by the late 80s. Um, my father uh, left the business in 92, and I assumed the CEO and leadership role then. Uh, right in the depth of the real estate crisis, then uh, rebuilt the business and uh, had an exit sold to Omers in 2001, after which I took six months off and went dark, no appliances, which was amazing. Uh, started Kingset in 2002 um, in spring, uh, and uh, which with, was able to attract a great group of stakeholders and uh, fellow partners, uh, which has built now a sizable business uh, that we run today. Yeah, but that's exciting. And I'm, I feel like, I don't know if you, have you ever read Craig Dobbin's story, One Hell of a Ride, The Newfoundland? No. We're, I'm going to say in the book, John, you're going to love that book. I'm sending it. It's my gift. It's coming. So it just reminds me of this story. I bet you there's, there's lots of, of crossover there. But I'm curious, you know, from a company culture perspective, first question is, if you had to explain Oxford's culture versus Kingset, what are the, what are the key differentiators in those two cultures? Um, I would say there's not a lot different. Um, okay. I mean, you know, the reality is that both businesses are built on the same core fundamental value set, um, which is, you know, around relationships and respect, uh, 
um, and transparency and so on. And all of those come from um, the roots from my father, uh, also business lessons that I learned along the way. And, uh, you know, I think that values are not on a chart or a wall, but it's who you are. And uh, so, you know, I was, uh, you know, basically the, the leader at Oxford for a long period of time. Uh, and so that organization, when I left, would reflect a lot of that, uh, those values. Um, and Kingset was built on those values. So it sounds like there wasn't that traditional push and pull between maybe your father and you to say, wow, you know, he built a very different business and now I've got to come in and, and unwind some of these or, or carve a new path. Or was there some of those challenges? Um, well, I, I, you know, I would say uh, there's two things, you know, leadership change always uh, is difficult in any organization, particularly between a founder and the next leader. Uh, and then of course you put on top of that, the fact I'm his son, um, so that makes things a bit more complicated. But my father was an amazing guy and I was blessed to learn many lessons from him and were able to apply um, you know, those lessons in getting Oxford past the early 90s uh, in surviving that and thriving after that. And then of course, building Kingshead. But you, but you said earlier, like, I don't think values are something on a wall. And you mentioned you know, relationship, respect, transparency. So does that mean that that they aren't set as core values? So when someone joins, are they onboarded and they get to understand these values and stories? Or how, what does it look like when you join to, un, how do I, as a King Set employee, how do you instill relationships, respect, transparency as some of the values to me? What does it look like? So let me break it into two pieces. You know, first of all, why are the values relevant? And, I, and I'll just give you a couple of stories that I learned along the way. You know, when I was a, a retail stockbroker at McLeod Young, um, you know, when I was a kid, right, I was 11 years old. Um, by, by the end of my five years of doing that, my largest account was one of the largest accounts in, in, in uh, where Scotia McLeod, Western Canada. Um, and I asked them when I left, I said, look, you know, there's lots of other guys that are smarter than me. Uh, why was it that you did so much business with me? And he looked at me and he said, John, he says, because you care about my money more than I do. That taught the whole issue about when you're working with someone else's capital, pay attention. It's transparency, integrity, respect, and empathy. Um, in, in the early 90s, when uh, you know the going was tough, uh, I had to go to the first lender and tell them that we were unable to make an interest rate payment. And we had some ideas of what we could do and so on and so forth. So anyway, very nervous, went into that meeting, gave our pitch. Um, and as I left, he said, well, thank you for coming. Now, thank you was not the response I thought I'd necessarily get. So I stopped and I said, thank you. And he said, look, he said, John, we got three kinds of borrowers. The first kind borrow money and pay it back. We like them the most. The second kind borrow money and don't quite tell us they've got a problem or they hurt our collateral and we go out of our way to hurt them. The third kind have a problem and come in and tell us what the and, and offer some solutions, partial or otherwise. We'll work with them and we'll work with you. That one meeting, that one doorway stop defined how Oxford survived the early 90s. And that core tendency of transparency, openness, integrity, and transparency is a core defining value defined at that moment. So um, as, as we go in, as we go through the rest of the uh, 
uh, of the, you know, the acquisition period that Oxford started on starting in 95, when, you know, on a 50 billion, sorry, $50 million balance sheet, we did $7 billion of acquisitions in six years. It was all about relationships. It was all about, and relationships defined getting the transaction, putting it together, getting the partner and all those other things. So, so as a sum at Oxford, you know, and we came up with this in the early 90s, our rallying cry was one thing, building relationships. And that formed, everything came back to that. Every decision we made came back to that. Do you think if we did that, it would build that relationship or hurt that relationship? Right. Then as started, uh, started King said, it was the same issue. Now, regrettably, Oxford had let the uh, building relationships go and somebody else licensed it. So we couldn't steal that. Anyway, uh, so we have, have a different uh, moniker, but we've got very clear brand foundation around, you know, relationships, transparency, respect, integrity, and so on. And uh, when the business was small and you got a half a dozen people, you got a dozen people, you got two dozen people. It's actually pretty simple because, you know, you're all in the same room, you're all talking the same things and you're all part of the same decisions. As the business scales, that's when the challenge begins. Because as you get people who are, you know, newer, they're two steps away, um, you know, how do they know what the, the brand value is? And more to the point, the risk to us of somebody being off brand. Because if, if I'm asked the question, what keeps me up at night? It's only one thing. Is someone in our organization breaks the value promise and goes off brand. So isn't quite true with somebody, you know, sort of skirts around an issue, like what are those things? Right. So um, starting a number of years ago, um, we have uh, a session that everybody goes through um, and you'll go through it at, in once you're new and then sort of three years after that. Um, it's a four month, you know, it's a, it's a number of sessions over four months. Now there's my phone. It's a number of sessions uh, over four months and um, the, 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 there's specific training. It starts off with me going through the value statement and the brand foundation and saying why these things are relevant to me and what they mean, what they mean to me. And so, and then we end the, we end the, you know, the series of sessions where we have another high profile leader uh, join us and it's a group of 10 or 12 and it'll be me and another high profile leader and people ask questions about leadership and values, and lessons learned along the trail and things like that. So, so, so we invest a lot in training and in talking about this. And uh, it's, it's, it is, uh, you got to direct it to real life examples. We're making decisions and we're, you know, this decision, which is not in our short term financial interest, is the right thing to do for these reasons. And what's most gratifying to me is to see now senior people come up with uh, or identify situations where they think we should do something that is to the benefit of the counterparty over our own benefit, but it's the right thing to do. And that's always the right, you know, the right thing to do is always, the right, the right thing's always the right thing to do. So um, that's, that's building in place, which is something that is what I think uh, is our competitive advantage. And everybody will talk about values, but the fact is that I think that core culture set allows us to run this business. So that's, that's interesting. So it sounds like very robust onboarding with stories about maybe when it went right, <clears throat> maybe it didn't, it didn't go so well, and then some training, and then a check-in at four months, essentially, right? 
But is there, you know, it's funny, John, because you were mentioning, you know, it was easy when we were small, but as, as we've scaled, we've implemented this, 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 this series, i.e. when you start and the four month thing. Um, and in my previous life was private security and I went through the same thing in Halifax when I had the company, everyone from our length, you know, without having the, the you know, I, I wasn't even as organized to say relationships respect, but, but I had a similar culture, but then we expanded Vancouver, Toronto, it was just its own business. And we had to really define things and onboard more, more use video because we were, we were officeless across the country. And then we started to get some consistency. But for me, one of the challenges was in some cases, once we had the cadence of, of onboarding and check-ins, we still missed the boat on screening. And so I'm curious, is there something that Kingset does in the screening process to, to ensure that, vow, that, that relationships are critically important to someone on the other side? Well, I'd like to think that, you know, uh, I mean, we are in the real estate business, right? I mean, we're not, we're not trying to crack the atom. So uh, we are recruiting for common sense, for judgment, and for values. Um, and if we do a good job, we'll hit those marks. Um, and if, if somebody comes on and, you know, their values are two degrees off, everybody notices. And as the Maple Leafs will tell you, no no two good hockey players can win a game. It's a team sport. And so if somebody is not, you know, sort of in line, they stand up and, you know, they don't fit here. So I, I, I think storytelling is the key. And when you're small, you don't have to tell a story because everybody knows the story. But as you get larger, you have to tell a story and you tell it repeatedly. And, you know, we have town halls, we have all sorts of things. And as we refer to our business activities, We'll relate to how that comes back to, you know, our values and what we think our competitive edge is and things like that. And so it's, it's, it's communicating those stories and why it's relevant. Mm. Um, and is, is like, you've got to do that forever, but you know, it's part of building a culture. It's part of, you know, it's, it's, it's part of running a business. You know, who are we? Cause if you don't define yourself, others will. Right. But, but it sounds like, you know, the, you know, if you head to some companies like uh, Southwest Airlines, it's very purposeful. They do have the values on the wall. They go back to the values. But it sounds like maybe that isn't the, 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 the play at Kingset, but it's there just, it's 99% stories and continuously bringing, verbally talking about the values or not. Is, it, do they, is there visuals too, John, at Kingset or not? Well, yeah, we have, you know, we have blacks and we have all the collateral. Yeah. But if you, were, if you were to ask um, somebody at Southwest, who Herb was um, when, you know, like when he, I, I'm not sure if he's still active, but when he was active, everybody would have said, Oh yeah, I know her. Right. Because Herb would have gone up and introduced himself mm-hmm. and, and he was a consummate storyteller and he rewarded people that told stories. And so, you know, the flight attendants would, would make a joke or tell a story or, or people would go out of their way. Somebody left a, a teddy bear on a seat. They go, they go out of the way to go find that person because that's a repeatable story because stories had value. And because Herb knew that while it cost that that flight attendant had to go, you know, take a taxi to deliver that teddy bear or whatever that cost money and efficiency and blah, 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 blah. He knew those stories were worth 10x that expense. Right. And you know, it's great brands are built around storytelling. And you know, there's got to be consistency. You gotta, you know, 
I mean, you've got to have brand consistency and you got to walk the talk. It's got to be like who you are. You can't make this shit up. It, right. You can't put up, say, well, let's pick Coca-Cola's values and put them on the wall. And if you want, Coca-Cola's values are great. But if it's not who you are, then nothing sort of happens. Right. So, you know, while, you know, visual collaterals help to reinforce the message, um, the, the fact is you've got to walk the talk, you've got to tell the stories, you got to, and, and people that act in brand have to be identified and rewarded. But it sounds like, you know, because because a lot of times when values are very clear, you can coach on values. Now it's not me versus you, John. We're talking about is what you did, did that bring uh, the relationship closer or further apart with the customer, stakeholder, whatever it looks like. But it sounds like that is instilled from a coaching perspective, you know, in King Set. So someone does something, it sounds like you're, you know, your leadership team, someone's asking the question, hey, John, did that bring us closer to that customer to that or, or, or does that hurt the relationship? Is that used as a coaching tool? Well, you know, you'd, you'd like to think that, I mean, you know, no organization's perfect, by right. any, but you'd like to think that as you make decisions, which you're doing all the time with investors, with customers, with suppliers, with, you know, coworkers, um, that, that it is at the end of the day, am I building that relationship or hurting that relationship? Mm-hmm. Because the, you know, those, those actions that build that relationship, whether it's again, with a coworker or supplier, like whoever it's with, um, will be better long-term decisions. So, so I'm curious on this because, um, and this is me probably labeling some of the larger banks, but I always find when I get to um, a meeting, in some cases, maybe 90% of the time, when I get to a meeting, John, with one of the larger traditional banks and I'm meeting a senior uh, staff member that's been there 15, 20 years, I know right out of the gates. I just know because I just find that they're just pushing it, you know, they're just checking in the box and they're checking in at that stamp at that point. I haven't found that with Kingset. I'm going to kind of pull out uh, Scott, uh, you know, it was one of the first relationships I met from you. And, and the, the one question I had when I met him was like, geez, I, I wonder how long he's worked there, you know, because I would have had no idea that I think he's a 20 plus year, something like that. He's been around a long time. Then when I found that out, I was like, oh man, they're getting it right. You know, I, that, you know, someone like Scott, in, in from my experience, put a lot of stock in a relationship with someone like myself, who's who's very new into the space. And I was, I was, I just don't see a lot of that. How how is it just the power of these stories? How do you how have you built sustainability and consistency over time with with individuals that have tenure and been there for a long time? They haven't got lazy. Um. Well, I mean, it, it is, you know, and and again. You know, nothing's perfect. Yeah. Um, and what we're striving to do is, you know, to build external relationships because those relationships, internal and external, are the only way you can build your business. The only way Scott, who runs the mortgage business, gets, an, gets, gets a, a customer um, is because he can deliver what he promises. And if, if he does what he says, he can have a repeat customer. I mean, it's not really, this isn't complicated. Um, and, you know, Scott, who runs a team of 30, um, again, you know, is instilling those same values and saying, look, you know, we, we want to treat that customer with respect. We'd like to have Ron come back to us with another opportunity. And, and we'd like Ron to do so without asking anybody else. We'd like to be Ron's first call. So what do we have to do to be Ron's first call? Well, we have to treat him fairly. We have to, you know, uh, price it fairly. We have to do all the, all these sort of things. And, and if he gets in a pinch, we have to help him. Right. So, um, like 
it's not actually complicated. Um, it's just who's we're, we're trying to focus on the customer. And I, I think, um, I think from our perspective, dealing with the big banks at big levels, um, you know, we're seeing lots of times when the banks are over and above the call of, of duty, trying to help us, trying to be sensitive, trying to, you know, offer things and so on, trying to build relationships with us, which, and of course we greatly value because again, we, if, if, if someone in, has an idea in the bank, we'd always like to be the first call. If, if we need something that's a little bit out of the box, we'd always like to be no problem. Um, so strategic suppliers, which is what the banks are to us, we look at that relationship and say, how do we groom that relationship? So they say, wow, you know, if I've got a call to make, it's to Kingside. They're my first call. Because they make me more money. They're more decisive. They, they say what they mean. You know, like there's a whole, everybody, every organization, every supplier, every investor, whatever, has a different uh, list of things they need. But if we can give them what they need, then, you know, we'd like to be a preferred counterpart. It's interesting. And, and, you know, and again, my, my experience too, cause there, there's two levels of this, I think. Um, one is I work for a bank or a lender and, and I help you with the internal tools that we have. And I do the best of my ability. Um, the second level is I can't help you. The third is, you know, let me make an introduction that has nothing to do with this place. And, you know, I, I found from, from my experience with banks over the last you know 15 years, that third level is tough to come by at your organization. It seems to be, you know, um, I remember the first time I talked to Scott, he said, look, you know, and I love that get to know quickly. Uh, we, I think as customers, they appreciate that, but then taking that further, say, let me, let me do an intro to someone who can really help you. I mean, what is just a, I always talk about capital and counsel. And I thought, wow, that's just a, uh, it's really nice to see because I think people think of, of lenders and banks as they're always just in for themselves. And if they're not making any money, it's over. And it's just, I haven't seen that to be true with King said. Well, I mean, it, it, again, in our view is if, if we can't help you for whatever reason, but we can help you find someone who can, you'll come back to us, right? Because you'll come, come to us next time you have a problem uh, or an opportunity or, you know, uh, whatever it is, you know, we are in the customer, we're on the solutions business, right? And because with every counterparty, whether it's a supplier, an investor, a tenant, whatever, you're, you're trying to solve a problem for them. And if you can do that repetitively, that's how you build a business. Right. So, um, and, and I think I, I, I wouldn't slag the banks too hard. No, um, no, no. I'm trying think, not to. I think there are, um, you know, I've had great experiences with the banks and they've been constructive. Um, you know, we've worked really hard on the relationship, understanding what drives their behavior how we can make, you know, how, how we can make our relationship a success for them. So we, we ask them, what else can we do for you? Um, because if we can make our relationship with the bank a success for the bank, you know, it'll be a success for us. But that's right. true with, with, you know, investors, it's true with tenants, it, you know, and, and we'll say this, you know, we'll say the tenants, uh, you know, customers of, of any stripe. If there's something we can do that makes our relationship better for you, We'll do what we can to do it. Right, right. Uh, because by definition, ultimately, that comes and makes it better for us. And how? And, and look, I agree. And I, I was, certainly wasn't trying to shit on the banks. I've got lo lots of great bankers and relationships. I, I get. I think it's just been. I've seen it a different level of consistency at Kingset than I have seen it at banks. In, in from my experience, so 
And of course, um, we're a much smaller business. So, you know, it, it, but, but I'd, I'd say that, um, you know, it is, uh, first of all, I'm delighted anytime I hear a customer say they've had a good experience with the business, like, I'm delighted because, and, you know, it doesn't matter what we're doing together, but if you're happy with that interface, then, then my machine's working. And over time, um, you know, that will pay off. So how long's Kingsip? You said you started 2002, was it, John? So, yeah. so it sounds like the foundation was there, you know, relationships, respect, transparency, um, empathy. But how has it evolved? Every, every culture evolves. What has been added on since 2002? Well, I mean, you know, 2002, um, at the start, you know, I operated between two coffee shops, you know, across King Street, hence the name. So, um, you know. Is it, sorry, John, is that the name? Was it King, like a set of coffee shops on King Street or not? Okay, so, so, uh, so when I started, after I came back from my six month of darkness, I set up meetings and, and um, you know, I'd be in a coffee shop. Now you can't have back-to-back meetings in the same coffee shop. In case somebody's early, somebody's late. Awkward. You gotta go across the street. Now, you also can't look like you're loitering in a coffee shop. So I would tip the waiter, waitress on either side of the King Street uh, to, to always treat me like a stranger. Never say, would you like another coffee or good to see you or something like that. I always wanna be a stranger. So I'd shuttle back, put on my coat, across the street, take off my coat. Anyway, so, uh, that was King Street. So that's, that was our name. So two wow. years in, uh, and we're getting a little action going on. We Googled it and there was a King Street Capital Partners in the US, but they didn't do any business in Canada. Anyway, so I get, I get a call on my cell phone. The guy says, you're using my name. And I said, you John Love? He said, no, no, stupid King said. So I think, I think to myself, well, sue me. So he did. So <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, we then said, well, all right, how about, uh, if you can't use King Street, how about uh, King Set? And he said, fine. And we signed a little agreement and we registered the name and we're all good. But that was the story behind the name. Wow. It, it, um, so, you know, culture, culture always evolves over time because you, you do have to, um, you start relatively process-free, uh, process-light. And because you're not doing a lot of activity and everybody's in the room in the deal. As the business evolves, you've got to overlay structure, discipline, organization. Um, you know, you have to have a policy man. Uh, you know, there's all sorts of things you have to do as you, as you grow that business. But it doesn't mean that you have to abandon what got you there. And which is the storytelling, values, the focus on, on the, the other party, those sorts of things. So while you're while you are putting in structure and, and discipline in the machine, um, and, and because that's the only way it can properly function as you get to scale, um, you can you also go back to, um, you know, what are your core values? And uh, I would tell you at Oxford, we had, you know, 3,000 people. I mean, you know, and I would spend a lot of time as CEO uh, in, in, you know, building, uh, in, 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 with building groups, in our regional offices and other places, you know, beating the drum, building relationships. Here's why it's important. Here's what we got to do. Um, when faced with a choice, you know, doing the right things, always the right thing. Um, and, and, you know, like people saw it and felt it and, you know, you make it happen. And so, so John, I'm curious, you know, are you, are you 
it sounds like you're purposeful for sure, but I, I guess the word I'm looking for is, is, is organized. I know relationships obviously critically important to you, but you know, is it like Wednesday afternoons? I'm going to walk around and meet somebody new and learn something new about somebody, or I'm just naturally, Hey, how's it going? You know, what, how do you do this internally? Cause that gets more challenging as you scale too. Right. I mean, how many employees does Kingset have today? Well, we have about 130 in three offices, Toronto, Montreal, and, and uh, Vancouver. Um, I, I think, you know, it is both, right? Um, because you do have to have structured uh, sessions where you can speak to everybody or, you know, whatever. Um, in, in COVID, uh, I send out an email uh, every Friday morning talking about what the business is doing, my observations around the world and a bunch of stuff like that. And then uh, once a month, we have on Friday morning, we have a, a webinar with the leadership team, myself and the, and the team. Uh, and we talk about what's going on in the different aspects of the business and sort of the world in general, and then answer Q and A. And so, um, sorry, John, are all staff invited to that, that monthly? Yeah. Oh, wow. Love that. Great. And all staff get the, the, the weekly email. Um, and so, um, and people ask, you know, all sorts of different questions and, you know, whatever's on their mind. Um, and uh, so, so, so you have to have some organized, you know, mm. when we're, all together, we have town halls. We've got a space upstairs. We can put everybody together, and we have town halls. Um, but then there's also informal, and it's not just me. Leadership um, comes, you know, from everywhere, from any position. Leadership's a personal thing, not a, you know, not a structural thing because you're a business owner or you have a fancy title that you have leadership. Um, leadership can come from and should come from everywhere in the organization. Because you have to lead on an issue, an idea, an approach on your values. Like it, it is it sort of who you are, or who you aren't. You know, you either treat people with respect or you don't. You can't say, well, you know what, today's respect day. Mm -hmm. um, so those are things that you know you, that that as you as I walk around and I talk to people and stuff like that, ask them what they're doing. I don't ask them what they're doing, then walk away. Or at least right. I hope. I, you know, so um, and. You know, to be clear, none of us are perfect. Um, and the the other thing that's important, um, that's always been important to me, is I'm quite open about the things that I don't do as well as I could or should. Um, and uh, you know, like I'm 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 an open book, and like everyone else, you know, I've got some strengths and I've got some weaknesses. Um, and you know, hopefully that I've assembled the right team around that allows me to accentuate my strengths and they can fill in all the, the vast area of my weaknesses. But you know, that, that gives you a pass too, right? Because if you're open, aware, vulnerable, but blind spots, it gives you a pass, you know, it, it, versus the, those who are holding on to everything and don't have any weaknesses. I, I think that's a great trait of, of great servant leaders, you know? So it's a safety issue. You have to make vulnerability safe. You have to make, you have to have an environment where if you make a mistake, you say, I made a mistake, but nobody gets fired. Right. Um, so you make a mistake. Okay. What did we learn? Okay. Let's carry on. Like, let's not do it again. I guess sometimes you repeat the mistakes that happens, it happens to all of us, but it's, it's about trying to have an environment that's safe. It's interesting. I, I'm curious. My, my next question was going to be about, you know, assuming that, you know, there's shareholder pressure and project pressure and all these things. And 
you know, that balance of not just getting caught in the engine and, and working like a dog. And, and then it kind of grinds you up and spits you out. That can happen in large organizations, right? Um, and I know in, in our, our group, it was interesting. We hired an accountant. This is maybe a year and a half ago. And our culture is one, you know, that allows people to work all the time. Now we say, one of the things we say when you join is, listen, you know, Ron himself has ADHD, wakes up in the middle of the night. So turn all your notifications off. He's not looking for you to reply at 2 a.m. when he woke up from a one of his children, or whatever. Um, and so turn all your notifications off on your device. And, and this is interesting. So some of our um, our teammates will will work all the time. Others kind of shut down after five. And we had this accountant one time he joined and he said, you know, look, I, I like to shut down after five, but I really feel um, that I'm not living up to your culture. And, and I kind of feel left out because I don't, I don't answer those emails. And I felt that we dropped the ball. We didn't let him know in advance. I would, you know, I, I think long-term wasn't great fit, fit anyways, but this one moment, we didn't let him know that that was okay, that there wasn't this pressure to do that. How do you balance that at Kingsa? What's that look like? So, cause I'm assuming there's big project, big deadlines, closings, et cetera, right? How do you balance a strong culture? Someone who's staying around for a long time and it's still enjoying the work and isn't like, oh, I just can't keep up. I can't keep up, you know, because I assume it's not foosball and uh, Friday beers, uh, Wednesdays and Fridays at the office. You guys are, you're, are doing serious business. So uh, sustainability is one of our core values. And when I talk about sustainability, the first ring of sustainability is personal sustainability, which means, in, you know, you have to be physically healthy and emotionally balanced. And, and to do that, you know, you've got to have, you know, like the work and people talk about work life balance, which is, is sort of means all sorts of different things to different people. I, I look at it differently. I want a sustainable person. So, you know, you're rested, you're healthy, your primary relationships are in, are in, you know, decent shape, you're double. So when you come to the office for eight hours, nine hours, you're all in and I'll get more productivity out of somebody who's personally sustained. So they're, they're feeling healthy, emotionally okay. They had to take some time off because their mother passed away. They had to, you know, they had three sick days, like no problem, like do all that stuff. When you're in the office, I want you in the office. And, um, and so trying to create an environment where this is not a 24 seven marathon. Um, this is a series of eight hour sprints, five of them a week. And, you know, we'd, we'd like to have people have a life outside of the office. We'd like to say that, you know, if you're a parent, you've got a sick child, so stay home with the child. Like it's like, these things are not criminal activities. Um, and if we've got more work than three people can do behind a fourth person, right? So um, now there's always peaks and valleys. It's, you know, it's never again, a perfect science, but I talk about sustainability always starts with individual sustainability. And individual is, is physical, so you know you got to be rested and all that stuff. You know, then it's got to be emotional, spiritual, whatever. Then you, your primary relationships, your secondary relationships. Then, then it's it's things that's got to be sustainable. Then you know our broader sustainability objectives beyond that. So um, there's a whole list of things, and and when I think of um, you know respect for an individual is if someone's working more hours than they should be, productivity collapses. And, you know, they may be there in person, but they're not getting it done. So I'd, I'd rather have them go home, come back the next day and go get it done. 
And is that something, John, it's, it sounds like that's something that's on leadership's radars, right? What, looking for someone's physical and emotional health so they can be the best that they can be when they come to Kingset. Because I, 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 maybe I'm wrong, but it doesn't sound like this is an HR function that's always looking for these. It sounds like this is a leadership thing that leaders at Kingset are looking for, or am I wrong? No, that's totally right. I mean, we, we close for two weeks at Christmas, um, basically match the school break. And we close and basically, you know, like there's no emails or nothing like it. It's closed for two weeks. Wow. Plus you get your, you know, your four weeks and your Friday afternoons on long weekends and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, because we're trying to encourage people to take hardcore breaks. Because when you come back and you're in the office, I want hundred percent from it. Right. So um, it's, it go you know, it goes two ways. It, you know, we're not, this isn't a part-time business, but the flip side is, you know, slavery doesn't produce any results. Hmm. So I want people that are rested in tune. And, you know, when, when, when our, our teams come back after the, after the school or the, uh, the, the, the Christmas, the holiday break, quite often people, well, you know, I had the one week, you know, with my parents and, and, and my spouse's parents and, you know, did all that stuff. Then the other week we went to Aruba. <laughs> um, and so they're back and they're pumped and they're like, they're ready to go. It's like somebody hits the starter's pistol. Right. Boom, you go. I love it. Yeah. Well-rested, well-balanced ish and, and ready to come back. And, and at that point, it sounds like they're missing work. Like they're ready to go. Cause they're like, okay, it's time. I need to get back there. And they're ready and they're, they're energized and, and ready to go. So, yeah. um, and uh, you know, we in, you know, we don't allow, allow people to exchange holidays for cash and stuff like that. And we don't allow people to slide them over into the next year. I don't want any of that. I like, yeah. I mean, take your holidays, take your family. Like, like we're good with that. Um, now the fact is, you know, I might do a little bit of work every day, but the, but I don't do, I don't work, you know, 12 hours a day, seven days a week. I'm not in the office every day and stuff like that. I, so like, I have a bit of a different gig, which, um, cause like you mentioned, something occurs to me, I'll send an email to somebody. It doesn't mean I want a response, but I, I have to get it off my own mind. Right. Um, so I, I think I think that is a respect issue, a respect of you, you know, like you are an employee of Kingset. We respect your contribution and we respect the, the, the fact that you have things going on in your life outside of Kingset. Mm-hmm. And and frankly, the more the merrier. Right? And, and is that's... Has that strategy changed, John? Is has that been a function of of a new workforce, millennials, et cetera, or 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 not necessarily? You know, because I, I assume that you know that when you talk about emotional, physical, at first I feel like that's very important to the new workforce. Maybe not as important to the older workforce, but but what are your thoughts on that? I don't, you know, <laughs> um, I don't think that's a workforce thing. Um, it's not like in my early days at Oxford, you know, like we did the same thing. I mean, I always took my holidays with my wife and my kids and like we did those things and I expected other people to do the same. Um, and uh, so I don't know, I, I, I don't think that's trying to treat Gen X or whoever it is these days differently, because frankly, if you're coming saying, well, I want good life, life work balance, but you're probably asking me the wrong question. You know, the right question would be, will you respect me as a person? I say, yes, I would. 
then the next question would be, what does that respect mean? And I said, well, I'll give you my sustainability story. So, because what, you know, at the end of the day, what people want is, you know, they want interesting work to do. They want to be respected and acknowledged for the work they do. And they'd like fair compensation for that. And I don't think that's any different than it was 40 years ago, because you still want to be, do something interesting and you still like to be respected for your contribution. So um, the, the and, and of course, everybody wants to be, but, you know, money tends to be the third of those priorities because you can, you know, if, if you're not, if, if someone's not getting interesting work to do and then they're not being recognized, respected or whatever for the work that they do do, then, you know, like compensation is, will only keep you there for so long. Right. Death by a thousand cuts. Right. So <laughs> it, it's about... You know, this is a team sport. Uh, as, as the Maple Leafs will tell you, no two good hockey players can win, you know, a series. Um, and, you know, you need a team and you need a team that's engaged. So, so let's, well, I was curious about the, the performance side because I, I'm assuming that the bar is set high. You know, I would say, uh, John, for our companies. In the company, you know, especially with Vita, this needs to be a tough team to make, a tough team to play on, but an incredible team to play on, if that makes sense. Does, does, I'm assuming Kingset has high performance. And how do you, um, what does that look like? I'll just let you answer. It, is, the, is it a high performance culture? Well, I mean, high performance is in the eye of the beholder. I certainly hope it's a high performance culture. Um, and, you know, because much is expected. Uh, and much has been delivered. So um, the, you know, we don't suffer fools lightly. And and again, most of what you need to be successful in this business is attitude. And so common sense, attitude, the ability to communicate relationships, it's all of the soft skills that are, are not taught in contemporary business education, but really are the most valuable skills. And those are things that some of us, you know, just by definition learned along the way. Um, but that's, you know, that's really what the core, uh, the core focus is, is attitude. You know, if this is a problem, let's go solve it. If, if this is a problem that needs to be solved, let's solve it this morning. I'm not going to wait till this afternoon. Um, if this problem needs three other people, let's go find them. Um, you know, like what if, if this problem has no solution, we just haven't thought hard enough yet. So let's go figure it out. Mm. And because if you think of what high performance is, that's what it is. And, and I'm assuming with this strong foundation, John, that you probably haven't been hit like other, you know, older industry companies on, with the pandemic, with this work from home. Okay, come back to the office, stay at home. How, how's that been for Kingset culturally? Has it, has it had an impact your culture? And look, the foundation was set and everybody knows the drill and we're okay for the most part, you know? Well, I think, you know, 125 people working out of 125 locations that a huge impact, right? Um, because what's been lost is is you know like working together, collaborating, um, and and being together, and and that's been a huge issue. Um, when we started uh, the lockdown on March 15th, you know, 2020, um, I was sending out an email every day, and right. about what's going on, what I saw, and there was a lot of fear. I mean, was King Set going to survive? Was my job okay? Um, 
you know, what's going to happen. So right away we said, we're not going to lay anybody off and, you know, like did a whole bunch of things. Um, but it's been tough and it's been tough on a lot of people. Um, whether you're, you know, like there's the single set, there's the, um, you know, married set, there's the, you know, kids trying to keep teach your kids at home set. Like there's, you know, people worried about their parents, their kids, there's all sorts of things. Yeah. So I think it's been difficult on everyone. When we started to come back in, uh, I guess, uh, you know, September, um, and we were, you know, half uh, one week and half the other week and so on, that was a step in the right direction. Because, and it, every meeting after that started with, how are you? Because, <laughs> right. you know, and, and forget the forget what the agenda was, but just like, you know, it was so nice to just mm. connect with humans. And then, of course, that was stopped again in, in November. So here, here we find ourselves lockdown after lockdown. Um, you know, generally, uh, I think people are anxious to get back to the routine of I wake up in the morning, you know, I have my breakfast, I do my family thing, I do whatever I do, but then I shower and I put on my work clothes and then I have my commute and I transition to work. Mm-hmm. Then I work my eight hours, my nine hours, I do blah, 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 blah. but then I, I have my decompress as my commute home and then I work clothes go away, I put on my sweats and you know, it's, it's family time or I'm having a beer with my friends or what, you know, whatever the circumstances are. Um, and, and that the lack of social interaction being the work colleagues, and then, you know, uh, whatever your, um, uh, out of work network is that lack of communication and lack of engagement and fundamental. And I mean, you know, in the Maritimes, there's been many people who haven't seen, you know, family members for a year, and they've never gone through a, a period of missing their family members that long. Um, there's, you know, the, across the country, where, you know, where, whether we're staying to home orders or lockdown, you, you can't see your grandkids or your neighbors, and you're not supposed to have a barbecue and blah, blah, blah. Right. So <clears throat> it's been jarring for everyone. Hmm. Uh, I think that uh, we are on the precipice of having sufficient vaccination, and I think we're going to see the reopening happened relatively quickly. And, you know, I'm pretty satisfied, although I've been wrong repeatedly, but I'm pretty satisfied that by Labor Day, we'll look like the U.S. does, which is, I'm hoping. you know, like life is just continuing, which there's still COVID. <laughs> COVID's not going anywhere. Yeah. It's just, you know, if you're vaccinated and you get COVID, you're probably going to have a flu. You're not going to die. Um, and, uh, and so we will coexist with COVID, I think for an extended period of time and, you know, there'll be mass, there'll be some, you know, some, some different things, but it's okay. We will right. be back at the office. We'll be having lunch with people. We'll be, you know, having a barbecue with the neighbors and, uh, our kids will be playing in the park. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I, I, I would hope for, and think the same. Well, well, John, look in, in wrapping here for, for, you know, cause we've got listeners from all over, but just for our younger listeners, um, what are some of the things um, that they need to be thinking about when they build cultures for their, their companies of the future? What are your thoughts? So I think it's never been a better time to be a young person in business. Um, I think the first thing you should be thinking about is no matter where you work, make sure you talk to your manager, supervisor, boss, whatever it is, and get absolute clarity on the expectations of you this week. Then go so short term, short term, maybe not so much long term, but the short term. I mean, this week, this month, not got it. like five years from now, like yep. right now. What's expected of you? Make sure you've got crystal clarity on that 
and then go exceed it every week. Secondly is build relationships. Now, like this, Zoom someone, doesn't matter who it is. You know, it could be a supplier, a coworker, it could be a, a tenant, a customer, uh, a neighbor, it doesn't matter who, it, go Zoom someone and just check in on yeah. how you doing. Just wanted, just wanted to connect. Nobody wants to do that anymore. Right. Everybody sends a, an email. Don't email, you know, Zoom and just say, just want to check in, see how you're doing. What, you know, what's up with you? We're we doing this, you know, whatever. Okay. So building relationships and building relationships, you know, while there's a tendency to do it on email, that's because people are shy. And, you know, email is easy because you can sort of do it and then, you know, whatever. Go Zoom somebody. See some, and if see them. we're allowed to, go have lunch. I mean, I built a career on as simple as this. I eat lunch five days a week. And those five days, I always have lunch with someone who doesn't work in the same business I do. Right. And, uh, you know, I have breakfast five days a week, two of which are with my wife. But the other three are with people who don't work with Kingston. Mm. Eight meetings a week over the last you know, 50, 50 weeks, I've missed 400 interactions with a customer, with a client, with a partner, with a supplier, with someone. You think about that body of interaction, that's how you build a career. Right. So if I'm offering for, for young people today, I say, first of all, be true to who you are. Secondly, building relationships is the only thing you can take with you. Somebody can take your job, somebody can take your wealth. Someone can take whatever, but no one can take your ability to build relationships. And at the end of the day, the, the old phrase, the Rolodex, is what will define success. Because the I, I used to use phone tests. And of course, nobody phones anybody anymore. But when the phone's ringing and they see on the call display is wrong, love it. Think about what that person's thinking. Right. Are they excited to pick it up or are they... Right, right. You know what? I'll let that go to voicemail. Yeah. <laughs> or, <laughs> pick that up because every time I talk to Ron, I have a good experience. Right. So think about the phone test. Yeah. And today it's Zoom and all that other stuff. But um, good you know test. What? That, that's a good uh, flash in the pan of do I really, does this person give me or drain my energy? Do I like them? Do I not like them? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great, that's a great flash test, right? Yeah. Well, John, look, thanks so much for joining us today. This is great. I've been taking notes as I go along and, and look, congrats on I'll say it, you know, on the culture you've built, I think you're in an old industry and you've done a phenomenal job um, building an excellent culture. We're, we're not an old industry. Well, I, I, I'm labeling the lending as old industry. Our, our business is housing the future for Canadians. Fair enough. Right, right. Whether that's in office, retail, industrial, multi-residential, we're housing the future. We're building the future for Canadians. Right. It's actually as forward-looking as you can be. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, you're right. Well, I'm sorry. You got me. No but, uh, John, thanks again. Great to see you. And, uh, and thanks for your time. Thanks, Ron. Have a great one. For more information about John, please connect with him on LinkedIn. For more information about the Scaling Culture podcast or our upcoming book and masterclass, Scaling Culture, go to ConnellyOwens.com. And if you're enjoying the Scaling Culture podcast, please subscribe and share. We'll be back next week with another incredible guest.